This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the American Toffee Podcast coming to you Saturday afternoon following Everton's 3-1 loss to reigning champions Manchester City. Not joined by Alex today for uh, a rare occasion. He had plans for the weekend, so he's unfortunately unable to join the show. But in his place, very pleased to welcome on Rose, uh, stepping in for Alex's shoes. Rose, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. So I guess the first thing, first place we'll start is the lineup comes out and a few changes. We see the the big one that kind of got everyone going was the Theo Walcott in on the right-hand flank. And then, of course, Morgan Schneiderlin retains his place in the midfield and everything else was more or less what we expected, Dominic Calvert-Lewin after scoring a brace at the weekend. Um, So what was your initial reaction when the lineup came out and seeing Theo Walcott getting his first start of the season? Uh, Yeah, I think, yeah, you've, you picked out the two that I had written down. It's just, um, I don't mind Theo Walcott, but for me, what Iwobi's been providing for us in the last few games and just looking like our main threat, um, I was surprised to see that he was on the bench and Walcott was starting. Um, and of course, unfortunately, he had to go off after a few minutes. But um, yeah, those two, I would say, I think I would have rather had um, Davis in the midfield because I just remember Schneiderlin and Dell from that game where... Grealish and McGinn just like ran the midfield. I really thought that against Man City, it was it's not the best. Like they're both a bit slow, um, Delph and Schneidman. So yeah, those two really did jump out. And I was on Twitter when the team was announced, and I think yeah, those those two um, players playing uh, really it wasn't that popular with many of many of the fans. But yeah, I agree with you, Calvert Lewin scoring two goals. I I think he should have started, and it was right that he did. I mean, I think the the issue with Theo Walcott that most fans have is not with Theo Walcott himself. It's more just that most people think that we have other players that offer more. And it was unfortunate to have, to have him go off injured. Luckily, I think uh, the post-match news is that it wasn't a serious head injury and that he'll be okay. So all the, you know, all the best to Theo glad it's not going to be a long-term thing because we would be looking pretty thin in those areas, but I do kind of understand why, why Silva did elect to stick with Schneiderlin and Delph I, I talked in our midweek episode about I did want Tom Davis to come in just because I'd, I'd like to see us kind of give it a go against City at home because why the heck not? Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to leave yourself totally open and concede eight goals like City scored against Wofford last week. So it's kind of hard to find the balance. Yeah. I mean, I've been talking in a few of my videos just about how, I, to be honest, I'd like to see us go with a 4-3-3 and maybe see Davis, Delph and Schneiderlin together. Um, just for more protection and like especially when you're playing the likes of City who do have like so many world-class midfield players but yeah I think Silva is just sticking with the 4-2-3-1 for some reason and yeah I think uh, yeah, I get your point. Do you think that the inclusion of Gilfie Sigurdsson is is kind of over or is it time for Silva to consider dropping Gilfie Sigurdsson to try to shift to more of the true 4-3-3 that I think most people know that he prefers to play. It's almost like the just the inclusion of Sigurdsson is what forces us out of perhaps what may be a better formation for us tactically. Yeah, see, it's difficult because today he was one of our best players. Um, and, yeah, Guardiola mentioned him after the game. But, yeah, I think that 
we are accommodating for one player. And I think like Sigurdsson on his day, like is he, well, he's great. Like he can score long, you know, long range goals. He can he makes us tick on when he's on his day. But the last couple of months, he hasn't been doing that much. So I think at this point, it wouldn't hurt to try because we're just like we're just losing a lot of like a lot of games aside from the Sheffield Wednesday one. Um, maybe it is time to just try something new. I know that I think Bernard was out today. I'd like to, to be honest, I'd like to see Bernard in that role. Like, not in Sigurdsson's role, but, you know, maybe playing just behind the striker because I think he links up well and sometimes out wide he can get a bit lost. And like I said, yeah, aside from today's, for me, obviously Sigurdsson hasn't really been doing enough, as you say, to stick to a formation that relies on him when he's not doing what we need. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure about that one, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting just because he has been kind of a mainstay in our side since he was purchased from Swansea. And I just think, well, yeah, on his day, and, I, and actually I think it's in the games where the team set up in a low block and that we struggle as a whole team. I think those are the games where Gilfie really tends to go missing. In the games where he's able to find space in more forward areas and get into those dangerous spots. I mean, he was he was excellent today, as you mentioned. And I think it's it's frustrating when we see him play so well against teams that are open and this extends to the team as a whole, but then is unable to kind of be the key that unlocks the door when we do go into those uh, teams to set up in a low block and want to make everything very congested in the middle. He gets, he tends to get pushed out of games very easily. Yeah. I think that it just raises the point of we, we tend to like recent seasons, we just tend to lose to teams that we should be beating. And then like today, like, we didn't play badly today, but City just had too much quality. So let's talk a little bit about how the match ended up playing out after, you know, we, we of course discussed the lineups, but City being a very daunting task, I think we we were hoping that we could come out on the front foot, but City, I think, largely controlled the first probably 20 minutes or so of the match, and Marco Silva said as much in his post-match press conference. Yeah. Um, everything you can kind of expect from City pretty commanding and able to get in some dangerous areas and had a couple good chances as well very early on. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. I think the first 20 to 30 minutes, as you said, it, it was all City. Um, I think we also just showed them too much respect. Yeah, you know, on one hand, yeah, too, too much respect. But on the other hand, if you do, sometimes if you do go at them, then they will just, yeah, on the counter, you'll just be, uh, there'll be so much space in behind and it would probably would have ended up the same way anyway. But yeah, I think if they were more clinical and, took their chances. I think, was it Gundogan that hit the bar as well or hit the post? Um, I think they could have killed the game off in the first 20, 30 minutes. And it was just lucky for us that, that they didn't, you know, score one of those chances. So, yeah, I agree. What I would say is just that normally after we can see the goal, um, obviously the first goal when Hazer scored, sometimes we can just, our heads just drop. But actually there was a response from us and actually we grew into the game after the first goal went in. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, and, and the first goal from City was, to their credit, a very well built up, um, you know, run of play. Mars down the down the flank, um, lays it off for De Bruyne, who puts in a beautiful cross and, and Jesus um, coming in for Sergio Aguero. I mean, City don't even really, they've just obscene squad depth, yeah. really. So <laughs> nothing, not, not too much lost. Um, and, it, and it was a good finish. And then, like you said, we did kind of respond. And I think from what I could tell from from over just over television, uh, the crowd responded really positively as well and kind of got behind the team um, because it, it really could have turned very, very ugly quickly. 
Luckily, we were able to equalize uh, just about 10 minutes later. Seamus Coleman yeah. cleaning up the scraps and blooping one over Ederson. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin gets credit for the goal with uh, probably one of the easiest headers he'll have in his career. But it was it was positive, of course, to see him continue his scoring run. A player who's been much... Uh, much has been said about how he's not good enough and he'll never cut it at Everton. And I think he showed today with his work rate, his pace, his power, um, his hold up play, all of the things that we kind of have come to expect from him. Um, he showed that he can potentially lead the line, if not for you know the coming seasons, but for parts of this season when he's called upon, when he needs to to do his thing. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think that uh, up front is the position where you know Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think has also just been the scapegoat quite a lot but you know him and Moisky and they're so young um we're relying on you know young two young strikers Moisky not experienced in the Premier League to try and get us a top six and I think it's quite unfair on them really um because Calvert-Lewin yeah his goal scoring record isn't great but you know, he still is in, in his early 20s um and so yeah like you say I think it's good now he's got three goals in his last two appearances but I just think on the other hand you know, two years on from selling Romelu Lukaku and we're like relying on Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Moise Kinu's 19 and hasn't played in the Premier League. I just think ugh, it's just not a great, not a great position to be in, really. No, it, it's not inspiring by any stretch, right? I mean, you, but at the same time, 20 goal a season strikers don't grow on trees. And I think exactly. we were very spoiled. We were very yeah. spoiled with Romelu Lukaku for yeah. three years. So, um, but but after we did equalize, I think we kind of realized, well, this is kind of here for the taking. I think City have shown that they are vulnerable yeah. at times this season. Yeah. They may not be uh, quite as invincible as, as many believe. Yeah. And we did create a lot of really nice chances. I mean, Yeri Mina will consider himself very, yeah. very unlucky not to have scored. Exactly. And there was the, the Richarlison one as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So we actually did have you know, a good few chances. Um, and I saw a statistic post-match that uh, I believe was our eight shots on target were the most that City have conceded under Guardiola uh, in the Premier League. So, yep. I mean, it, it all amounts to zero points and another frustrating loss, four losses and five now. But it's hard regardless not to take some kind of encouragement from this just on the basis of how good City are and the fact that we played with them for, you know, large, large stretches of this game and looked at times like we could actually take something from the match. Yeah, no, exactly. I would say, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there. And it is good today that, you know, we can take these positives. Um, but on the other hand, looking at the games that, we, that we've lost, you know, the games against Villa and Bournemouth and Sheffield United, um, and actually even Wolves where we won, in all of those games, we have conceded two or more goals. Apart from the one against Sheffield Wednesday, of course, that we won 2 0. So I think our defence is looking like a problem. I'm not really sure whether it's because we lost Zuma or, you know, Mina and Keane are going to need time to get that partnership. Because obviously, I think we had this like at this point last season and in December, you know, Keane and Zuma weren't used to playing with each other. We were conceding a lot of goals, losing games. And that's when Marco Silva was first under pressure since he joined. And now I think we're kind of seeing a similar sort of thing where a new centre-back pairing and maybe they're just going to need time to adjust, really. Yeah, and we mentioned that Mina um, did have a couple of nice chances to score, but he also did concede the free kick that led to uh, Mara scoring. Mm. 
on. Uh, I mean, again, to yeah. City's credit, all of their goals were fairly well taken. It's hard for us to kind of point fingers. You know, in previous matches against lower opposition, it was very easy to point out what we did wrong yeah. in order to concede the goals here. It's just they're such a good side, and I know we're all probably a little yeah. biased because of the title race and the implications of taking points off City. Um, I don't think anyone uh, – th- let's just put it this way. I think this is a loss that's a lot easier to stomach than maybe any other result against any other side in the Premier League. I mean, I saw a lot of fans saying that and commenting that to me, saying, you know, this is the game that we'll probably win just because then we'll make it easier for Liverpool to go on and, you know, get like an eight-point gap instead of a 5.1. So, yeah, I, yeah, I completely understand that. While it's a disappointing defeat, it's kind of like, well – you know, mind because they're the ones going up against Liverpool, I guess. It was unfortunate to concede that goal by Mars in the 78th, 70th minute, 78th minute towards the end because the game was there for the taking. And I think we had a, a really strong opportunity to take some points. And the Sterling goal is the third one, kind of put the game to rest. I still think that there was a chance we could equalize. I mean, Calvert Lewin had a couple really close point blank chances off of deflections that was I mean tough to adjust with very little time to react off the deflection but those are ones that just kind of are so frustrating as a fan because he's four yards out from goal and somehow just the ball doesn't go in the back of the net and you're just left holding your head in your hands wondering what went wrong yeah no exactly and um just a question like do do you think that uh Jordan Pickford should have saved the Maris free kick because a lot of people are talking about that one (sighs) It would have been a really tremendous save. I think it's one that he's capable of saving. I think the movement by City before the free kick, kind of parting parting the sea and creating that channel for Mars to go down was a a really well orchestrated move. Yeah, I think think it's a bit bit harsh to criticize him for not making that save, but I still think it's a save that he can pull out on his day for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd agree with that one. I'd say that, you know, but obviously Pickford saves us a lot of, you know, more points than he costs us. So He did have that dodgy moment at the end of the match ah, where he yeah. tried to try, play a little sweeper keeper, Manuel Neuer, what have you. Uh, and that almost just kind of was a, a really ugly end to the match after um, we kind of played well throughout. But that's just kind of the player he is, right? He's bound to try something a little wild from time to time. Yeah, because I saw, um, I didn't actually manage to catch the game today, but uh, I was busy. But um, yeah, I saw the picture track today and, you know, what Gary Neville said about him. And yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not great. It's not a great reason for Pickford to be uh, trending, but it's disappointing. It, like you say, it's, it's, it's a disappointing defeat. Um, as you said, I was four out of five, which is not good. But honestly, I'm definitely not a Marco Silva out person because I think, you know, with the injuries to Gomez and Gabaman, he's playing the midfield pairing that he probably thought he wouldn't have to play and it'll take time for our strikers. But I think at this point, Everton fans are kind of running out of patience because we had, since that season where Rooney came back and we signed Sigurdsson and Keane and all those players, we've kind of been expecting to push into the top six. And now we're sitting 15th in the league going into October December looks like a really terrible, well, it is a terrible month in terms of who we're playing, like United, Chelsea, Arsenal. Uh, yeah, United, Arsenal, Chelsea. I think there's, I think United as well, all in December. And you just think, where's our win? Where, where, where are our wins going to come from? 
Right. And, and at the, at the start of the season and, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head every, every season we as fans get our hopes up very high. And I think we took a lot of confidence from how we finished the season last year and thought that we could kind of continue that, even though we, you know, we did bring in a lot of new players and we saw it last season. It does take those players time to adjust, but I think we thought that there would be some sort of continuation of the form. And it seems like we've kind of regressed and there's still a lot of development to do, but you can see how the pieces are starting to come together even without having seen a key key player like Gabamin, who's meant to come in to replace Idrissa Gay, arguably our most important player last season, like to not have him, you're kind of already struggling. And then, um, you know, we've got all the all the new players. And, and to be fair, like Richarlison hasn't uh, gotten off to the greatest start. We haven't really had anyone that's been setting the world alight. And then with the fixtures that we've had, you would just kind of expect more based on the opposition. And so, like you said, it has the potential to spiral downward very, very quickly, very, very quickly for Marco Silva. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And looking at the next game of, you know, Burnley away, uh, you know, going into the season, that would be a, a game where you think, okay, yeah, three points or, you know, at least a draw. But just the last few performances, you know that Sean Dyche will just have his team organised and set up and disciplined. Today, yeah, we looked okay, but just against the, the, the other lesser teams, and I say that with caution, the other lesser teams, we've just looked like we, you know, we could play all night and not score. So that's, I mean, how confident are you going into the Burnley game? Not very, because I can I can see it quickly regressing to what we saw before Man City, because we're just not going to have the space and time um, and the ability to counter like we did today. And when we are looking, when we have our players going forward and there's nine, 10 men behind the ball, we just look completely devoid of any ideas. I did like a lot of the movement I saw today as far as like diagonal balls in the attacking third, looking to switch fields, which is something I think City do extremely well. And we did well uh, against Sheffield Wednesday midweek in the cup. So hopefully, you know, just finding those constantly moving the ball, making players get out of position is going to be vital for Burnley because we know how organized they are under Sean Dyche. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that one. Um, so yeah, I guess as far as a uh, man of the match, I, it's hard to choose one during a loss. But if you had to choose one on the Everton side of things, uh, who would you who would you have taken for your man of the match? Oh, that's difficult. Um, <laughs> to, to be honest, uh, okay. So from uh, Man City's perspective, obviously. I- I'll give a man of the match for both because I think it's unfair to not give one to Man City where they've won the game 3-1. Okay, so for Man City, I just think Mares. I think like he was somebody for them who was just, um, you know, on the fringes uh, and, you know, he wasn't playing every game and he, Guardiola didn't look like he was sure about him. But today, I think, you know, him and Kevin De Bruyne, just, I wish that, you know, we had players that were just, you know, could like pass and move the ball at 80 but I think from our point of view I actually think Sigurdsson I think he's taken a lot of stick the last few weeks and the last couple of months for not doing enough but today like you say with the space he had um he was creating our chances and like today is what you want to see Gilfie Sigurdsson doing with the space and to get him behind and make chances because I think City couldn't really control him uh, and 
couldn't really get a handle on him after the first 20, 25 minutes. So yeah, I think I'd give it to Sigurdsson today. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, in the De Bruyne shout, I mean, easily one of the best midfield players in the world, but it's, it is, even when it's against your team, it's, it's just impressive to watch what he's able to do on the ball and the way he's able to pull the, the strings of the metaphorical puppet and just kind of make everything tick for city. I also thought Raheem Sterling, of course, was extremely dangerous. I thought he, you know, gave, um, Seamus Coleman, a lot of, a lot of issues and they were kind of battling, but as far as an Everton man of the match, I thought that Seamus Coleman actually was outstanding today. And that was kind of the common cry from a lot of fans post-match and it's not super original, but I do think he does deserve credit because behind Sigurdsson, I think he's probably the player who gets the most stick um, despite having being our captain and our current longest tenured player what he was able to do going down the flank was, you know, not what we know he's capable of that, but he hasn't really shown it much this season. And this was the first match where we were kind of, it kind of clicked back into place. And um, from my perspective, it just kind of pushes Sidibe, Sidibe's Premier League debut a little further, another week or two away, because we saw today what Seamus Coleman can still bring to the table at 30 years old. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I would agree. I mean, I even... Uh, so in my preview, I actually said that I'd like to see Sidibe start and I had a couple of fans saying to me, no, no, I hope Seamus Coleman proves you wrong. And yeah, like, as you say, he did today. Um, and I, and I love Seamus Coleman. Um, but as you say, like aside from today, him and Gilfie Sigurdsson have been taking a lot of the heat for our performances because I, I know it's understandable, I guess, because they are so experienced and you would look to them to lead the younger players. Um, but yeah, no, for me, Coleman and Baines, like those two fullbacks, definitely um, underrated in terms of the Premier League, I think, uh, definitely. And uh, yeah, so yeah, no, he's a player I loved watching growing up. So I'm really glad that he can still pull out performances like he did today. And as you say, playing against Sterling, one of the best wingers in the league, in my opinion, you know, he, he, he had a tough task ahead of him. So. And he was, I also really, what I w- did like from him, and I have liked seeing this more this season is shame, from Seamus Coleman is he's kind of growing. seems like he's growing into the captaincy where anytime there's an altercation, he's right in the thick of things, um, always talking to the referee, keeping that dialogue open. And we know that, again, more stick because Phil Jagielka used to always kind of come under fire for not necessarily being the most vocal leader um, or, or a proactive leader even, kind of one that maybe led a little bit more by example. And I think that Seamus is one – who's finally, or not finally, but it is good to see a captain that is constantly in the referee's ear and getting in Yuri Mina's face when he starts to try to fight someone for no reason whatsoever, uh, trying to cool his head a little bit. So I do like that side of Seamus's game. And of course, we saw Luca Dean at the at midweek with the captain's armband, and he's another one who, I mean, both outside fullbacks showing a lot of leadership, which is a positive. Yeah, no, definitely. Um I think also like with the introduction of Delph as well, I think we, that is something that we have lacked is, you know, as you say, talking to the ref, I, we always like accused of just being too nice. You know, a decision goes against us and we all, okay, we'll just go and defend the free kick. Like we never actually argue back. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. I'm glad that Coleman did get the uh, captaincy as well, but yeah, yeah, I agree. 
All right, great. I think that's probably going to do it for us unless, Rose, you have any last comments or um, uh, observations from the match. No, no, I think we've, uh, yeah, I know we've talked about everything um, that, I, uh, that I intended to. Um, thank you for having me on. Um, I've enjoyed being on this podcast. It's my first time, so I hope everything I said made sense. Um, and if you're listening and enjoyed what you heard, um, I actually have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Rose EFC. I just got started a few months ago, but I've been overwhelmed with the support um, and all the comments. So if you'd like, you check that out. Um, but yeah, thanks, James, for having me on. And hopefully at some point, maybe we can do it again. Absolutely, Rose. Thank you so much for coming on. And everyone, definitely check out our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, also join our Discord server. You can find the information on our Twitter and Facebook pages, or just hit us up if you need it. Um, And until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.